Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. The old adage is that two's company and three's a crowd. But when you're talking about football jersey numbers for the NFL, three is crowded with football legends. Oz Davis and I had a great discussion back in February 2021 to talk about these greatest players in our Best of the Pigskin Dispatches jersey number series. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Like we promised earlier, we are going to go into our series on the football by numbers and jersey number three. So let's kick that over to that special guest right now, Oz Davis and football by numbers. Tonight's episode, we are going to talk in our journey going through all the jersey numbers of football, zero through 99. We are on the jersey number three tonight, and we have kind of a historic moment here on the podcast. Our first returning guest, uh, Oz (laughs) Davis, is going to be helping in discussion tonight for jersey number three. We had such a great time last night in the number twos. If you haven't caught that episode, please make sure you go back and check it out after you're done listening to this one, because we had a good time. It's just like we're going to have tonight. So... uh, uh, we want to talk about the significant players in pro football history. And Oz Davis, as just to remind you, he is on the Sports History Network's Truly the Goats podcast. He also does the SHN Showcase podcast. Uh, Mr. Oz Davis, welcome to the pig pen. All right. Great to be back. <laughs> okay. Well, now tonight we have a night I know you've been waiting for. Because when I said I was going to do a series on jersey numbers, I had, you know, one guy with his hand up saying, ooh, pick me for number three, pick me for number three. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I, so I think there might be some favorite players or a favorite player that uh, you want to talk about tonight. But I also want number 80, too, by the way. So keep number me in mind 80. for that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> keep me in mind for that. Uh, okay. In any case, well, yeah, there's a couple of big number threes. Um, it's also interesting to note that I've got a good trivia question for you too. Uh, the number three is really crucial in at least a couple of other sports. If you're talking great uniform numbers, of course, in baseball that's Babe Ruth. Oh yeah, and in NASCAR that was Dale Earnhardt. Great, most, great. most people still consider the the goat NASCAR driver. Um, but do you know why Babe Ruth wore number three? Uh, no, I don't. It's actually a real simple answer. He batted third. <laughs> the Yankees, the Yankees, of course, are famous for Lou Gehrig wore number four. The the Yankees, of course, are famous for uh, being the only team in Major League Baseball that doesn't have the names on the back of the jersey. However, they were the first team to put the numbers on the jerseys in baseball because they wanted everybody to know who their stars were. So interesting. So so Ruth didn't bat cleanup. Gehrig got batted cleanup, huh? Oh no! Oh no! 
famously not. Yeah, oh, okay. always, it was always. I'm, not the, I'm a football historian, not a not a baseball historian. Yeah. It just seems odd to me, though. Always okay. and, it, and it's funny too. Because, it's funny too because if you play the Yankee, the 27 Yankees in sim or something, and you let the computer set the lineup. Invariably, they'll put Gary third and Ruth fourth. <laughs> it was much more logical, but, you know, Ruth had the ego. So in any case, <laughs> number three, it actually um, turns out to be a really important number in NFL football history, too. Um, you know, we talked last episode. I won't, I won't reveal any names or anything, but we talked last episode about how these low numbers, when you talk about greats to wear them, it's really important, or you really get a nice look at the early days of football, because back in those days, you know, the low numbers were taken by the important guys, just like the the Yankees in the 20s in mm-hmm. baseball. Um, and so, you know, your number ones, your number twos, your threes were the key players on that team. Um, it, there wasn't much of a, you know, there wasn't like we have nowadays, which is actually quite a logical system where, you know, your linemen were in the 60s and your backs are 20s and 30s and quarterbacks are teens and whatnot. So, but they didn't have that back in those days. You know, you know why they changed that? I believe it was in the 50s they, they changed that, the numbering system. Just for ease of refereeing, I would guess. Right, right. As being a former football official, you know, you know that 50 <laughs> through 79 are not eligible unless they had an eligible right. position. Now in the NFL, they got a report and they got it easier. Right. High school, they didn't have to report if they were, you know, well, they could, they weren't eligible to, in high school, no, no matter what. Uh, you could run the ball, but you weren't eligible to catch a pass, a forward pass. So a little bit well, easier. How should, how, should, how should we, how should we do this one then? Should, should we? Well, should... we have, again, we have, I show four hall of famers, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame that wore the number three as a, I mean, there's a, some Hall of Famers wore the number three, but people that wore the number three uh, in a substantial number of seasons, let's say. Mm-hmm. And there, there's four of them. Uh, a couple of them are really big names. Um, so, well, let's, let's reverse it a little bit tonight. Let's save those those gentlemen for the end, and let's talk oh, okay. about talk about the sort of the guys on the periphery that wore okay. the number three. Okay. All right. Well, you got the uh, well, you got one that's a prospective Hall of Famer, right? Uh, Russell Wilson. Oh yes, Ford. absolutely. Um, uh, Russ- the amazing thing about Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, and the Seahawks that he plays on are just, I mean, A, the way that they are in contention every season, season after season, but B, the way nobody notices. <laughs> I, mean, he's, it, I mean, the Seahawks are almost the parallel to the Patriots uh, since Carroll took them over. Um, always a threat to be in the Super Bowl. Often thought to be, at one point in the season, the the... the favorite in the NFC uh, to win the championship. So, and, and he had some great teams too. So, yeah, it, but and did it most of the time without a significant offensive line. You know, he yeah. just, I mean, for guys mm-hmm. like this past year, he's running for his life and still had a, you know, it was up for at some one point for being the NFL MVP for a while there. He was in a talk, you know, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Russell, definitely a prospective Hall of Famer uh, from this list. Now, I you got another. Is Daryl LaMonica really not in the Hall of Fame? No, I don't. Not show Daryl LaMonica being wow. in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. 
wow, crazy. Because, you know, he was one of the guys that was the big name in the AFL. Uh, when that rogue league first started uh, for the Raiders. And, uh, yeah, I'm surprised. Well, I'm go surprised. before the Raiders. He had his first four years with the Buffalo Bills. Right. The Bills, two, yeah. two AFL championships, I believe, right. where he was the starting quarterback of them. And then mm-hmm. went to the, the Raiders. And I didn't realize he was with the Raiders as long as he was. He was mm-hmm. with the Raiders from 67 through 74. So yeah. he, he overlapped uh, Kenny Stabler quite a yeah, bit. Right. Right. I knew I knew the one year they did, but I didn't realize he was still still hanging around in there. But. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was there for a while. Um, yeah, that's how I remember uh, him from when I was a kid. You know, on the football cards. Uh, yeah. So, I'm, but I'm surprised because he was. Yeah, he was like you just said. I mean, he was a big name in the NFL. Well, I, I always, I mean, one stat I, I love to look at with quarterbacks that have played a substantial amount of time is I like to look at their touchdown to interception ratio. Of course. And LaMonica had 100, this counts as AFL days with Buffalo and Oakland, 164 touchdowns, 138 interceptions. So he might not have been the best caretaker of the ball at you know, some games. So Well, the AFL was a much more... Um free-flowing, much more risk-taking league anyways, right? Right, so that that might be one of the reasons why he's not in the Hall of Fame. Definitely Mm -hmm. had the longevity uh, 12 12 years altogether. Well, Jesus, Joe Namath is in the Hall of Fame. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's always the argument, right? I mean, it's like Namath and LaMonica are very comparable, very comparable with the exception exception of the one big win. You know, which uh, is which is not to sneeze at that because but, I mean, basically, that one win put the AFL on the map. When, when so, you have a game called the Super Bowl versus yeah. an AFL championship, right. It, right? That makes a big difference. I think uh, <laughs> it's, right. Right. it's got the name Super right in it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's a dead oh. giveaway. Um, so, so there are your perspective. There, those are the two guys on this list that I would consider like real bubble Hall of Famers. Um, what do you think about a guy named Carson Palmer? He wore number three for... Well, yeah, I was a big... Again, there was another guy. I talked last time about how I defended Matt Ryan. Carson Palmer was another guy I defended for a long time. Um, history will not be nice to Carson Palmer. But those of us who saw him know that he was he was great. He was great. Uh, he just played on some really... Uh, I don't know. You're, you're a generous guy, so let's just, let's say subpar teams well, in Cincinnati and Arizona. The, the good teams that he played for were probably the Cincinnati teams, and he actually wore number nine with Cincinnati. Right. It's when he went to Oakland and Arizona later in his career he he put the the three on. Um, so, but. I thought he was outstanding out of uh, – he was a USC Trojan. Yeah. Came, came out. Was a, I, I remember this being a Steelers fan. He was a teammate of Troy Polamalu. And I think he, came, right. in, he came in the NFL a year before Polamalu did. So Polamalu's uh, rookie year, I can remember – I think it was Polamalu's first game coming in. They were playing the Bengals. Carson Palmer at quarterback. And uh, I forget who the Brokaw or somebody was – you know, doing the game, and they're like going, "Oh, you know, here Troy Polamalu and, and uh, Carson Palmer were teammates, and now they're opposing each other." And boy, that that really came to uh, 
had a lot of history to it because they it was like six seven seasons that they opposed each other you know at least twice a year and there's a couple playoff games in there that they they played but and that also might have been the last living in southern california i can tell you that might have also been the last time usc was any good there might be some people that disagree with you like <laughs> Like uh, like Russell Wilson's coach that you just talked yeah, about. I mean, he might disagree I'm, with you a little bit. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking, but I'm joking. But it feels like that these days. Have you seen the state of California college football? <laughs> my God. Uh, it feels like that. But, yeah, those are some great USC teams. Oh, my God. But I think what really – I mean, Palmer, it just seemed like he everything was going so well for him. And then that playoff game against the Steelers, Kimo Von Hoffen hit him. And I don't think it was a cheap shot. I think he he got blocked, hit him down at the knee. It was a bad, bad thing. And the Bengals were up in that playoff game, and they were looking pretty good. And it seemed to just take, deflate the whole bloom for the Bengals and Carson Palmer's career. seemed like right in that game. At least that's my perspective. And the wheels literally came off. Yeah, he, he just never was the same. And I think his knee was better, but I just he just wasn't the same. Was like there's an uneasiness about him, you know. He he's a little skittish, you know. Through a lot I'll more tell you interceptions. What, I'll tell you what, when when you get to number nine, he's got to be in contention there because that's a pretty obscure number. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, I'm sure it is. <laughs> that's but, yeah, even for the old days. So. But even I mean, he threw a lot of oh. interceptions after that. Uh, he had a couple seasons. Uh, oh. I guess three or four in the twenties, but his his ratio two hundred ninety four touchdowns to one eighty seven interceptions. So hundred hundred more touchdowns or so, more than a hundred, more than interceptions. And he had some bad years of throwing interceptions. Uh, <laughs> his last few at the Bengals, so they're pretty dismal. Okay, um, we got a bunch of other quarterbacks in there. What do you think about Jeff George? Jeff George were wow. number three. <laughs> Well, I don't, I don't know. I, uh, right after him, you've got Derek Anderson and Bobby A. Bear. I, mean, <laughs> I, I might go with one of those two over George. I mean, isn't George like the stereotype backup? Uh, <laughs> and there is a guy that had all the skill sets. I mean, all the yeah. talent in the world coming out. And I mean, even with he, he boy, let's uh, set this straight. With his first four years, he played for Indianapolis, wore number eleven. Then played three years with Atlanta, wore number one. Then he switched wow. over to three with Oakland, Minnesota, Washington. So the latter part of his career, the backup role, yeah, he was a three. But you got to you got to talk about the man's entirety. Now his uh, touchdown, he had 154 touchdowns in his career, 113 interceptions. So a little bit more like on the Lamonica. Three to two. Yeah. yeah. Three to two, basically. But pretty close to what Lamonica was. And but a lot of teams he played for, five different teams. <laughs> <laughs> but I never and thought all, he was. Yeah. All odd numbers. Uh, <laughs> um. Uh, I guess. I mean, there's something to be said for longevity here. I mean, he did start in how many? 124 games plus playoffs. Mm -hmm. So there's something to be said for longevity there. But, uh, jeez. You you can't put him in the same conversation as as a Russell Wilson or even a LaMonica. Even a LaMonica. No, I I think these these gentlemen we're talking about right in here, they're probably – 
This is the uh, third tier. Yeah, they're. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even sure if they're going to make it on the uh, Hall of the Very Good, you know, PFRA. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not so sure. Maybe, maybe Carson Palmer, uh, but I, I don't sure. But um, I kind of like the idea of a pro football Hall of Very Goodness. Oh, you never heard of, of that with the the <laughs> the pro, the PFRA. Uh, oh, no. Remember the I PFRA? Oh, the, great. We have the Hall of the Very Good. Uh, every Ooh. year we vote. And actually, it's unbelievable how many times a, a member of the Hall of the Very Good within a couple years goes into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So, so do you have to take them out of the Very Good? Uh, you know, I'm not quite sure. I think I think they get to stay there. They get that honor. I I, I, I might be mistaken. I'll probably have uh, uh, Mr. Crippen or somebody calling me after this. <laughs> I should know that better. But well, uh, my boy Doug Flutie had better be at least in the very good Hall of Fame. <laughs> I don't I don't have that list. I should, I pray I'd get that on there. <laughs> but, but okay, let's talk about some other guys. So we're on that periphery. Derek Anderson. There, there's your perennial backup. Yeah. Uh, had a, had a real good year with the Browns. Um, I'm not sure why they, they let him go, because I thought he played outstanding, even in the playoff game that the, they were way ahead of the Steelers. Steelers came back, uh, beat him, but he had a great game. I don't know why. It wasn't his fault that they, they fell apart. Uh, Bobby A. Bear. You know, there there was a guy. I, I always liked Bobby A. Bear. He, sort yeah. of had some, he had some moxie to him, you know. Uh, his, his, yeah. Most of his career was with the Saints uh, and played four years with the Falcons. 135 touchdowns, 124 interceptions. Ooh, that's a little bit more interceptions than I thought he had. Oh, I guess I only remember the good things about Bobby Hebert. I, I always liked him. Oh yeah, well he would. He became like. I mean, it kind of kind of shows the low expectations Saints fans have had since being formed in '72. But uh, he became a, 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 a almost legendary figure there for going, you know, twenty and eight in his first two seasons as a starter. As his first two, let's say, full seasons as a starter. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's in the late '80s, and I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that that. That was I. That might have been uh, in eighty eight. I want to say eighty seven. He was ten and two as a starter. Yeah, eighty eight. He was ten and six. I want to say one of those years was the first time they ever made the playoffs. Um, it could be. I don't know. They had that sure, great defense. Yeah, yeah. They just you know, and 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 a bear was as I remember, he was constantly manufacturing plays because again, you know, victim of a victim of an average or below average offensive line. Uh, it seems to me that he he ran quite a bit because he averaged. I think one year he averaged something like five yards a carry. Um, so he was he was definitely one of these scrambling quarterbacks of, of the new sort. But um, and then you know I don't I don't know what happens. You know he just kind of drops off the map when they they lose him to Atlanta. Well he and, well he had after that ten and six season of eighty eight eighty nine he was six and seven as a starter. Nineteen ninety he missed the entire season in a contract dispute. That sort of hurts your career. That's weird. Came back had two more years with the Saints. Eight and one as a starter, twelve and four as a starter, and then Atlanta got their hands on him, and it sort of fell up. The wheel yeah. sort of fell off the the truck there for him. Four he turns thirty three and he drops off. The yeah, <laughs> his, his last year he was three and ten as a starter and twenty five interceptions. Uh, it was not a good year for Mister A Bear in nineteen ninety six. 
I'm trying to think of who they who they replaced him with. Let's see. I'm gonna try and get this up here real quick. Who took over for him? Wade Wilson? Can that be? Well, I oh think Aaron Brooks was was coming in. We talked about him last oh, week. Yeah, right. yeah. So Aaron Brooks, right. I think, sort of right. so bumped him off there. You're right. Uh, Okay, a couple other interesting ones. A gentleman still playing, Jameis Winston. What do you think of, of him <laughs> as a number three? I think Jameis Winston is a lot of fun. I uh, I was surprised that he got so little play this year. Uh, he finally did come in for Tampa Bay. No. Who's he with now, Green Bay? No, no, he's with the Saints now. He, the Saints. That's right. Actually, that's right. That's he, right. I remember. He, he wore he wore number three with Tampa Bay, and now he wears number two with the Saints. So we're going to oh. talk you know, mainly about Tampa Bay because that's really where he played. He only uh, he had no starts this year. I think yep. they, Tyson Hill got all the starts when Breeze was out. Yeah. Uh, but he did. Uh, uh, he had. 11 passing attempts, 7 completions. Yeah. <laughs> so he did get in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I think, I'm again, I'm surprised that nobody wants to take a chance on this guy. Yeah, he takes a lot of chances. You know, he, he makes bad but, decisions and stuff. But, well, but, but does he Does he really? Because his, his touchdown to interception ratio is not horrible. 121 touchdowns, 88 interceptions. That's not but horrible. But that's trending down, is it? I mean, when last year was 30 and 30. Well, I mean, well, he had 30 interceptions in 2019. That was that was his worst year. Oh, okay. uh, before that, his highest season was 2016. He threw 18 picks. So some, oh, something okay. happened in 2019. It was probably yeah. uh, Bruce Arians' offense were throwing the long ball. It's not his forte. <laughs> well, you know, that's in- and, and Arians is not exactly uh, the most conservative coach in the world either. So right. yeah, I think not- he was a little bit more dink and dunk in his – and he thrived <laughs> under that, you know, yeah. those first four years in the, the league. Yeah. Uh, I like jo- Jemias, but again, you know, you, you've got him in here with – with Wilson and even a bear, um, uh, you know, you've also got John Kitna here again, like yeah. here's a guy, here's a guy I covered and Joey Harrington as well. These are guys I covered. Uh, I mentioned hey. last time that I covered the Raiders, but sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, don't speak bad about Joey Harrington. Cause uh, <laughs> a guy named uh, with last name Chapman. That's, I think that might be his boy. So, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I was, uh, I was uh, covering the Lions at about the same time as covering the Raiders. I got a lot of good beats in those days. And, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, Kitna's a tough guy and all that stuff. And he really talks the talk and he puts his body out there and he's a great teammate and all that stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's 2020 Philip Rivers, you know, right? I, uh, limited I, I, in in skills. When he was with the Bengals as a Steelers fan, I feared when Kitna came into the game. I'd rather have those starters because <laughs> Kitna just – he was just uh, the poison for the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. He, 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 yeah, for some reason uh, when he was at Cincinnati, he owned you guys. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, again, mostly I know him from Detroit where, you know, a lot of those guys – were tough, um, really, but you know, great team guys, but just not the, you know, the skills just aren't there, <laughs> you know. So, all right, well, this we have. A, I have three more on here, but we don't need to spend a lot of time with them because we need to get those those Hall of Famers. But Brandon Whedon, Mark Sanchez, Rick Meyer, 
sort of all in the same boat. I mean, Sanchez had some success, got the two AFC championship games with the Jets, but ever since the butt fumble, I think uh, his career sort of fell off a cliff, you know? (laughs) When, yeah, see, that's the thing. When you're remembered for something like that. (laughs) It's amazing because, it's amazing because for most, well, for a lot of my team, okay, Harold Baines, was known as the dude who got thrown out by Bo Jackson, you know, from the wall, you know, from third base. Okay. <laughs> he was known as this guy, but he made the Hall of Fame, <laughs> you know, in the yeah, end. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, but, but the butt fumble is a bit more egregious <laughs> than that. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't playing Bo Jackson. So. <laughs> that's right. That's for sure. All right. Well, Let's get into our, our Hall of Famers because this is the meat and the potatoes of the number three jersey. In the yeah, NFL. there's some good ones here. Okay, let's here. and we'll we'll save we'll save the the two big ones for last. What do, how do you say that? Um, uh, okay, let's see let's see who you think the two big ones are. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, maybe maybe we disagree, but okay. Well, out of the Hall of Famers, I'm going to talk about the kicker first because I think oh, okay. not that kickers are unimportant, but this guy's definitely good. Jan Stenerud in the Hall of Fame. Oh, he's he's really one of the all-time great place kickers. Though. Oh yes, absolutely. I mean, you can't you can't besmirch this guy. Um, of course, he's he's most famous for kicking. Let's see. I guess it would have had to have been about six points in Super Bowl four. Uh, the so. Chiefs, the Chiefs win against a bunch of extra points and a field goal uh, against the Vikings. Um, Stenerud played forever, as I recall, and uh, mostly for Kansas City. And uh, yeah, I mean, nineteen for, seasons. Yeah, for a while he was number two, I believe, all-time point scorer behind Blanda. I oh, believe okay. for a while uh, because he racked up a lot of points. Uh, he was around forever. And I mean, this was a guy, he was basically the equivalent of Vinatieri in, in the day. I mean, he okay. was the Adam Vinatieri of his day. And I think everybody agrees that Vinatieri is a Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. So, so Stenerud was that. I mean, you want to talk about generational players? Okay, Stenerud was the generational player. He just was. He had 13 seasons with Kansas City. He started in 1967, played through the 79 season. So, think mm-hmm. about those those late 60s, early 70s Kansas City Chiefs teams. Yeah, they're pretty good, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, four years, and he wore number three with Kansas City. Had four years with Green Bay from 83, 83, wore number 10. And then... Last two years, 84 and 85 with Minnesota, put the number three shirt on again. Um, yeah, he he was a great kicker. Definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, uh, I would say, in there. But compared to our other three Hall of Famers, probably, you know, he, he's in a, a, a big class with the, the jersey number three. Now, the next one I'd like to talk about is Tony Canadeo. Yeah. Uh, Tony was born in May 5th, 1919, Chicago, Illinois. And he is another one that had a great nickname. They called him the Gray Ghost of yep. Gonzaga. Oh, yep. that's, those are some. You stole my thunder, man. You stole oh, my okay. thunder. I was going to say he deserves mention for just the nickname here. But, yeah. um, you know, the, the key thing about Canadeo is, I mean, look, he was the halfback, you know, for Curly Lambeau's Packers. 
in the 40s and 50s. You know, I mean, and and he was also a two-way player. Uh, oh yes, he played pretty fair defensive back, uh, and he did some punting and he played special teams. So basically, he's like all three teams, and and it's not just a one-off. You know, he he was regular defensive back and special teams uh, returner. So. You know, I, 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 you know, I, you gotta love the, uh, you gotta love the all timer. Uh, he's in the Hall of Fame because these Green Bay Packers have dozens of guys probably mm-hmm. in the Hall of Fame. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, again, uh, they say about Lambeau's teams, about Lombardi's teams, that you know, some of the important things are is that they they advance the game itself. You know, they they change the way people play it. And so, you know, you have to give props to Canadeo as a godfather of modern halfback play. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I think it was 12 seasons he played, 4.4 average uh, per play, 31 touchdowns, first team All-Pro 1943, went into Pro Football Hall of Fame 1974. I mean, great career especially two-way player i mean you have to you got to be tired out there you're playing offense and you go and then you got to you know hit guys and tackle them and take mm-hmm. on blocks you know it's, and 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 you know that 4.4 yards per carry doesn't sound stunning but you got to remember that before 1980 it seemed to me like you know off tackle run was the main play by the half. Oh, right. That was the main call, right? And, you know, it's a two-yard play. So, a lot, you know, a lot of A-gap, B-gap play, you know? Here. Right, right, exactly. You didn't get too many reverses in those days. Right. Um, and so, and so, you know, anybody that, that whose lifetime over four out of this era is no basically. Mm-hmm. So... All right. Well, now we come down to I'd consider the big two. Yeah. And... I'll let you pick who we want to talk about next. They're, they're both, they're both <laughs> um, infamous names. Okay, well, all right. Let's talk Bronco Nagurski first. Um, okay. Of You know, you can talk about Nagurski's accomplishments, and actually, you know, since he's, he's a back, we actually have some statistics on him. But for me, the real key to Nagurski is he's really pro football's first household name. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, his reputation earned in college at Notre Dame. Of course, he brings that to the to the NFL. And, you know, it really like is that first step into giving the NFL the prestige that it has Well, well he, he wasn't Notre Dame. He was University of Minnesota. I'm sorry. Yeah. He was yeah, a no. golden gopher. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Sorry. Bad slip. Sorry. <laughs> Fighting Irish. Sorry, guys. Um, As an Irish fan, I'd love to have him on the Irish. <laughs> <laughs> How about it? Um, he, uh, but, but, you know, he had that reputation from college. He brings it to the pros. And he really, you know, puts it, because back in the day, College football was way more prestigious, was well more beloved than the NFL, than pro leagues, you know, which were fledgling. Um, and, and you know, he was the guy who, who, who I really think had the American sports fan talking about pro football, you know, on this national level. He really garnered all the interest in the game. And plus he was a pro wrestler. So I got to love that. I got to love the two sports well, stuff. Well, I mean, it's interesting being a two-way player. 1929, his senior season in Minnesota, he was voted as a first-team All-American at two different positions. Yes. 
defensive tackle and a fullback. I mean, I, I don't know of anybody. I, I look at these every single day. I don't know if I've ever seen somebody in the same year make it a first-team All-American at two different positions. That's that's uh, Especially those two. That's, that's so yeah. weird. How do you have that size and that speed? You know? uh, wow. I don't know. But <laughs> that's but his just the name. I mean, there's another one of yeah, those of names. It's just like, you know, I'm playing Bronco Nagurski today. That just sounds like a football name. You know, that's yeah, that's, of that's course, yeah. Name. It's one of the great names. I mean, it's it it's it's a Babe Ruth name. You know, it's like yeah, that's that's a football name, Bronco yeah, Nagurski. That just sounds angry. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it sounds big and tough. Um, so I mean. It's tough not to have Nagurski here at this number three. Uh, he definitely makes the team. Um, just, I mean, he's a legend. He's a legend in the true sense of the word. Mm-hmm. He's an NFL champion, 1932 and 1933 with the Bears. Um, he uh, was part of that, that infamous play of that first championship game, I believe, where... Uh, it was under dispute where Red Grange, the rules back in the NFL back then, you had to be at least five yards behind the line of scrimmage to throw a forward pass. Mm. So, uh, and I guess the Bears ran a play that was sort of right on the line. And Red Grange, uh, and I forget who they were playing. I think they might have been playing the Portsmouth Spartans. And um, they ended up playing that championship game because – Portsmouth had the better record, but the you know Hallis he he just couldn't have it. He challenged them to a uh, you know hey we got to play this game because we were, we were right behind you, and Portsmouth they needed like the players needed money back then, so this is a great way yeah. to make some extra money. The coaches wanted some extra money, the fans loved it, so Portsmouth said okay we'll you know we'll play you for the championship even though we were had the better record. They get down to the end of this game, Red Grange throws a pass, apparently he must have been close to the line of scrimmage. And passes it to Nagurski. Nagurski scores a touchdown. Bears win the game. Protest all over the place. You know about hey, you know, Grange was within five yards of the line of scrimmage. It's an illegal play. Why and didn't the coach just there. throw the challenge flag? Because <laughs> it's in black and white. They didn't recognize the oh, flag. Okay. <laughs> That's right. That's why the whole world was in black and white. That's right. And everybody moved around really fast, and and everything was quiet. (laughs) Fantastic, fantastic. Um, Okay, great. Can 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 we go on to my favorite? Okay, you've been waiting for this for a long time. Uh, Yes, this is this is the reason why I'm here. Okay, so. I, I got an axe to grind. I'm still grinding this axe. Uh, that back in early 2020, the NFL did their special. Um, they did a, a series, which was really awesome. A uh, bunch of experts, including Bill Belichick, were on the show uh, talking about the, the 100 greatest players uh, of all time, of the first 100 years of the NFL. Right, so um, every a lot of people complain that Terrell Owens got stiff because uh, he did get stiff, but for me, by far the biggest omission, and really not even close, is Jim Thorpe. Uh, now, granted, uh, Thorpe was well more known 
for his college years, uh, playing for the Carlisle Indians team uh, that famously beat Harvard, uh, that basically beat everybody. <laughs> I mean, they were um, the best team for the teens, pretty much, uh, under the guidance of Pop Warner, who... And I heard this, somebody said this one time, but you know you're important to the history of the sport when there is a level of the game named after you, (laughs) such as Babe Ruth baseball. Yes, well, Pop Warner football sort of indicates how important Thorpe's coach was in college. Regardless, um, he was brought into the NFL um, because of his worldwide status as, you know, basically the greatest athlete of his day uh having you know done so much damage at the 1912 olympics in which he won the pentagon pentathlon the pentagon the pentathlon (laughs) and the decathlon um and of course you know this was an inspiration for the truly the goats podcast um he's episode number one in my opinion, the greatest athlete of the 20th century. But the NFL, when they were forming in 1920, uh, brought him aboard for his reputation and also for his team, the Canton Bulldogs, who had been wreaking havoc all over Iowa, India, Pennsylvania, wherever they went, uh, as one of the best semi-pro teams in the the country. And uh, they made him president. And so... Jim Thorpe may be the only guy in any sport to be a halfback commissioner. Right. That's 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 quite a two position player right there. Um, now in the NFL, he he ended up only playing fifty two pro games, um, but you know he again not many statistics. Um, he but there, did make what, the. Sorry, One sorry. statistic, though, just to be fair to him, right. 1920, when the, uh, the the roots of the NFL started, they considered that the NFL starting, Thorpe was 33 years old. So, I mean, but look at look at in today's world of football, 33-year-olds are probably retiring, you know, or retired right. already. <laughs> so Thorpe right. came in at 33. His last game that he played, he was 41 years old as mm-hmm. a tailback, halfback, whatever back he was for that particular year. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, he, well, again, like, like he's already, this sports is really, really different a hundred years ago in America. Um, America never really, for one reason or another, took on the club, the sports club model that they had in Europe and that they still have in Europe. In Europe, you don't have minor leagues, right? You have, like, subdivisions of your team and stuff, but those are youth teams. What you do is, literally, when you're 10, you decide that your parents decide that they want you to get some exercise, and so you go to the local sports club, and if you're good enough, they'll put you on a team. And, you know, for example, when I was living in Budapest, you know, our local uh, team was at Budapest. And let me tell you, their sports club had gymnastics, soccer, um, hockey, basketball, um, <laughs> any sport you can think of, figure skating, any sport you can think of. Wow. And that's the way they do it there, right? That hmm. they don't have minor leagues and stuff. It's all community-based rather than, guess what, business-based like it is here. Okay. So in the U.S. at the time, 
it was highly, highly ragtag, right? I mean, Jim Thorpe came out of the 1912 Olympics, obviously couldn't go back to college, right? Right, right. <laughs> you, know? Um, you know, and so he said, hmm, what am I going to do? Well, so what he started doing was he said, oh, I'm going to go play professional baseball. You know, and then in the off season he went and he played semi pro football, right? Because of his Carlisle days. So when you say he debuted at thirty three in the NFL, it's kind of like saying that our Venus Sabonis, you know, debuted in the NBA at age thirty two. You know, he actually had this whole other sports career. Well, let, uh, let me before that. Let, so. let me rephrase what I was saying. Let's say. That uh, Thorpe was same athlete he was, but born ten years later in life. So that in 1920 mm-hmm. he was 23 coming in the, the NFL. Which I mean, besides the Olympics, he was definitely yeah. a better football player than he was baseball career. That was his best sport. That was yeah. his best sport. And fun. so a 23 year old Thorpe coming into the NFL and playing oh, for you know. 52 games, you have a much different athlete and probably cracks your NFL 100 with no problem. Oh, easy. You know. Well, I mean, my, my theory is is that the reason why he doesn't crack the, the top 100 along with Nagurski, Nagurski didn't either, is, is simply because they don't have video. That's it. That's it. Now, that's kind of a cop out. Well, did Red Grange make it? That's a good question. I don't think so, though. I, really? Because okay. I think I think that's the surprising. earliest, even though they called it 100 for 100, I think that the, the farthest back they went was Sammy Bob. I think he was ah, okay. the, the oldest, uh, and he was in, like, the early late 30s, early 40s. So I think he was really as far back as they went. Hmm. Uh, and they showed a bunch of still pictures, basically. <laughs> you know, they did the, uh, they did the uh, Ken Burns thing. You know, where they show pictures and just kind of slowly focus in on it, you know, and stuff <laughs> like that. Uh, so, um, so, yeah, I mean, Thorpe kind of doesn't get the recognition he deserves. But, you know, when I did the Truly the Goats episode, I spoke to the guy who's the curator at the Jim Thorpe Museum and Oklahoma Sports Hall of Fame. And, you know, in his opinion, and there's something to be said for this, in his opinion, uh, and, you know, he, he, he has a point there. Uh, also, if you're a Republican, you can thank Jim Thorpe for making Eisenhower president. Because if Eisenhower and his buddy on the Army team hadn't decided to go after Jim Thorpe and both get knocked out of the game, uh, Eisenhower with a broken leg, uh, you know, he might never have chosen the career path that he did. And it might have been a football player. So thanks, Thorpe, for beating the hell out of Eisenhower in the Army Carlisle game. Uh, that, all, that also gets him on, on the number three team, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, for one day in 1919, okay, we, we got to get that I like Ike in there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, uh, I mean, there's not, like you say, there's not a lot of stats on, on Thorpe's NFL career, but I do see he kicked field goals. Uh, yeah. And there's not, there's not yeah. many of them, but there's not every year is uh, recorded. And when I'm looking, I'm going to look at the Pro Football Reference website on Thorpe. And, uh, yeah, but still, to be an all star tailback oh, yeah. uh, to, you know, 
play, have the career that he did to you know win the pentathlon, win the yes. decathlon see, in the Olympics, see, for me, be a major league baseball talk, player, you talk and about the kick field goals. That's, I mean, that's just an all-round athlete. Yes, uh, or a lot of these sports. I often have to consider the guys with the shorter careers, right? Just because of the effect. I mean, the truth is, is that one of the greatest guys ever to play NFL football is Bo Jackson. No one will ever talk me out of that. I don't care if he only played four years or whatever. It doesn't matter. If you saw him, you knew. If you saw him in college, you know. You know he, he, was, he was an all-time great. You know, uh, you know, for basketball, uh, I, I always talk about Sabonis. You know, um, I, I, another one is uh, Drazen Petrovic. You may remember this guy. He played back and he, he came up in the league right about the same time as Michael Jordan. He had already been winning championships in the Yugoslavia before then. Mm-hmm. And this guy was primed to be, you know, the second or third best player in the NBA. Unfortunately, in one of the off seasons, he has a car crash. Dies, dies before he can even hit his prime. Okay, for me, Petrovic is still one of the top ten European players of all time. Oh, yeah. Easy, easy. And and so for me, Thorpe. Well, he was born out of time, but that doesn't take away his greatness <laughs> at all. Well, thank God. Yeah. But people are still talking about him to this day. I mean, how many players other than oh, Thorpe, Red Grange, Nagurski, I mean, how many people from 100 years ago are still being talked about as much as in, in football? You know, you, of course, you have Babe Ruth and, and Garrig and everything. Right. And absolutely. And, and again, this goes back to teams, Truly the Goats, man. When, when people talk about all the biggest times, all right, still, to this let's, day. let's think about this. Again, you know, we, we did the last episode and we hit on Matt Ryan for, for probably longer than you wanted to. But in 30, 40 years, you know, who's going to think Ryan when they think of the top 10 quarterbacks of the, of the 20 teams? You know, who, who's going to not too many people. Not a lot of a lot of people in Atlanta, you know. But you know, I mean, so so again, like Thorpe is kind of the opposite, right? You know, and th- thank God people are still talking about right. this guy because what he did uh, in so many ways was was so important, and and for the history of the NFL, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's let's. Uh, change tunes here a little bit i mean we've i think we've covered all the significant uh, players that were number three and you have last night we talked about your truly the goats podcast but you have sort of a new endeavor you've been doing on the sports history network can you tell um, our listeners a little bit about the showcases what they can expect if they're listening to that um i i tend to think that um the sports history network has a niche There's a certain subsection of sports fans that's really into the history. And I don't just mean, you know, um, memorizing the Super Bowl winners or something. I mean, like, interested in the development of the game, the the rules, uh, the technology even of the game. And so for me, what I'm hoping to do with the Sports History Network is sort of introduce those geeks, and I mean that the best possible way, to more geeks. <laughs> Let's all come together because, again, there's a certain type of person that geeks out on <laughs> hearing a podcast about Super Bowl Seven. 
you know, as is the case with Lombardi memories. Um, there's some kind of person, hopefully, that enjoys. Actually, I had one person tell me it was my favorite. It was their favorite, truly, the goats that geeks out on hearing about a sumo wrestler 300 years ago. Um, and so with the, the showcase, I'm hoping to turn people on to the really, you know, really good work that's done with these Sports History Network podcasts, but just doesn't get that much exposure because I'm afraid that not so many sports fans really care about history. But I know who you are and I want to appeal to you. That's yeah. right. You know what I, I mean? It's I've I've listened to your episodes. I was on one of your episodes of the uh, the showcase, and what it I mean it's for the listeners. I think what it really does is you listen to you know Arnie Chapman. You hear him as a football history dude. You've heard hundred and umpteen you know editions of his podcast, but you never really get to know who Arnie Chapman is. You hear who Arnie Chapman's interviewing. You get to learn a lot about his guests, but you never really get to learn about Arnie. And this, I think you've done that with so well with all your well, guests you've had on so far on the showcase of introducing the other side to them, to the, the viewership and the listenership, to uh, get to know that person a little bit. And I think that just really opens up another channel into that, that personality of that host that uh, people can enjoy. And I, I know I've enjoyed it. And uh, it's, it's a really a fun <laughs> podcast. Now, and, and I think it would be kind of funny. I, I always thought what would be a funny idea for a <laughs> podcast is this. Okay, because I do a lot of work in, in gambling. So I do a lot of writing for sports betting. And uh, I was thinking what would be a funny idea for a podcast is to, to debate the NFL lines for the week, but it would be me debating myself. Right, so that way, I could give the case for Saints minus three, but also Falcons plus three. Right? <laughs> right! <laughs> One of my guys is always going to win. Right? So, and you can never be, you're never wrong. You're, you always have a right answer. <laughs> You could be one of those guys say, hey, stick with me. I'll give you the pick of the week. I'm always right. I was 100% last week, but I was also 100% wrong. <laughs> well, as we only have a couple minutes left here, uh, anything else you're working on coming up in the future? Any? I mean, you talked a little bit about some uh, future episodes of Truly the Goats and maybe some SHN showcases. What do you have coming up that uh, we can listen to and look forward to? Oh, wow. Well, um, Truly the Goats has been a little bit difficult to plan ever since COVID set in. So basically for the past year, um, it's weird the way people's schedules got messed up and how contacting people got more difficult. Um, let's see. But earmarked, I'm trying to get – I would like to do something on the greats of the Negro Leagues uh, because many – Many exciting things have been happening with Negro League history recently. And, uh, and uh, yeah, um, especially with the uh, Hall of Fame in Kansas City, uh, a lot of interesting things are happening. So I'd like to do that. Um, I would like to talk Irish sports. So I actually do have somebody lined up for that. I found some superstars in both hurling and Gaelic football. And let me tell you, for football fans, Gaelic football is a trip. I mean, you should check it out. You should check it out. It's kind of like a combination of football and rugby. It's really dope. It's a very interesting game. Very interesting. 
Oh, it's a very interesting game. Really neat to watch. Um, I mean, if you like passing and stuff, it's a great game. Because, <laughs> I mean, it, it looks a lot like human table tennis. Um, so, uh, okay. And then let's see what else. Oh, well, I'd really love to do a story on Orame Washington, who is probably the greatest NBA Hall of Famer that nobody's ever heard of. Uh, so I'm, I'm working on that. And then uh, I, I'm, I'm, I would really like to do um, a piece on Secretariat. There is a, I, I would like to ask the question, you know, is an animal an athlete? Can we consider them an athlete? Well, I mean, you watched that, that record-setting Secretariat race, and, and that's, that's one of my all-time favorite clips on YouTube. Is is secretary winning by like thirty lengths or whatever at Preakness uh, or Belmont? Uh, just incredible, just incredible. So, in any case, that's that's kind of what I got planned for Truly the Goats. Of course, for for Sports History Network uh, showcase, it's Arnie. Keep getting new people in the in the rotation so I can have more subjects to talk about. Well, that's a great conversation we had with uh, Oz Davis, and we appreciate him coming on and thank all of our guests that have been coming on. And most of all, we appreciate you, our listeners, for joining us on the SportsHistoryNetwork.com and Pigskin Dispatch uh, podcast because we just love to have you here, and we would be nothing without your listenership and your input. If you wanted to tell us uh, something maybe we missed in our conversations today, you can email me at PigskinDispatch at gmail.com. Uh, just uh, let us know who you think, uh, number three, the you would like to have heard about and we'll take a look at that do some research on it and put it on a later podcast and anything else you want to talk about again pigskin dispatch at gmail.com you can catch us every day by hitting that subscribe button you'll know as soon as it releases uh our friends out there in the uh uh, internet world will let you give you that uh, notification to uh know it's released and you can also find us at the sportshistorynetwork.com as well as other great podcast on sports history with some great hosts and some great guests you'll really enjoy that place and our flagship website pigskindispatch.com forward slash podcast you can catch all of the podcasts of the pigskin daily history dispatch and do some binge listening or go back and find some of the episodes you really liked and you want to hear again and uh, some of our guests that we have on and you'll we'll really enjoy having you here so until tomorrow everybody have a great gridiron day Peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, 
here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians. You'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.